So welcome to Post Shot, the first and only podcast. Um, Ever. So this is, uh, I, this is kind of like a radio show, and I'm the main host, and I got my whoa, two, whoa, 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 whoa. I got my two co-hosts, hey. one of whom spoke out of turn. Go ahead, Patricia. I hate you. <laughs> Thank you. I am actually the god of the, this podcast. Thank you. I'm Patricia. Welcome on board. And there's another idiot. Can you go and say your name, Hannah? I feel like we're just a crew, and I'm the person in the background just trying to figure everything out, and you guys actually make it work somehow. But well, some... yeah, exactly. Right. You're That's welcome. Fun. You're pretty oh, useless. Um, I've been watching Inuyasha. Oh my god, can we just introduce <laughs> the podcast first? <laughs> so stop talking about Inuyasha. There's this, like, goblin that's... So here's our Inuyasha podcast. Get ready. We're going to do a breakdown of every episode of Inuyasha. I'm sorry if this is confusing to you guys, but it's confusing for us, too. So there's this guy, Shishomaru, and he has this guy that helps him out, and he's, like, his guide, and he's a goblin. And I'm that person. I'm the guide. Okay, cool. That, that that was a great reference. Everyone's gonna get. I remember his name. So All right, so this is a podcast. It's about pillows and the quality pillows and yeah. what podcast you really want. So, what are you guys' favorite pillows? I mean, mine is a good, somewhat firm, a little bit not too bad, but you know, a little bit of memory foam. You know, that's I love memory foam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like the one with like the little cooling gel. Oh, you sleep bad. really good at night. It's it's fantastic. It's the best pillow there is. I don't think I've ever had a good pillow. I think all my pillows are probably terrible. You probably need a. You know, a good one is if you take just a bunch of rocks and <laughs> with like hay like that. that's like sticking out. So like, wait, what's never... sticking out? Hey. hey. You know. So it looks like a real pillow. Yeah. But it's not. I honestly don't think I've had a good pillow. Uh, maybe maybe one. Should. It was like memory foam or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I had one. It was a gift. But it was fluffy on the outside, so it was a bit uncomfortable. So. Pillow being fluffy is bad? Okay. No, 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 wow. no, no. There was like on the a texture on the outside was like okay. ripply. Well, that was a bit of a long, long joke, and uh, the podcast is actually about... What is it about, Trish? Describe the podcast. You're on the spot. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're talking uh, about uh, things that make stories. Uh, we're talking about tropes. We're talking about themes. Uh, Maybe story structure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, some elements that make up uh, a story. And uh, the basis is actually from uh, a Japanese... Uh, technique where they uh, would focus one shot on something random, forgotten the name of this fantastic uh, filmmaker, but uh, yeah, he would just uh, leave a shot in just for aesthetics and to enjoy, you know, the moment. And yeah, that's what we're kind of doing, enjoying the moment, enjoying stories, and yeah. Exactly. Yes. So this time, this episode, we're going to be focusing on a specific, kind of pretty negative trope um, called women in refrigerators. Does anyone have a good explanation, or you want me to go? Go for it. All right, so it's basically when a generally female love interest or general character is introduced into the story and uh, not, not given much other than in a, a strong attachment to the main character, and then she is killed off, often brutally, to spur on the, the main character's character development. Now, that, it's kind of a long trope. Um, the, the reason it's called Women in the Refrigerator is it, is it refers back to an old, like, 90s Green Lantern comic where there was a uh, Green Lantern, he's a superhero, and he had a new girlfriend who was introduced, and shortly after she was introduced, her body, she was 
killed, cut up, and put in a refrigerator and was like a very egregious example of the trope, which is why they call it women refrigerators. Yeah, so basically these women, they have no character at all. They're just solely for the male protagonist to grow. And in a kind of similar thing when people say a oh, female character is fri- fridged, it's just she's killed off unexpectedly just for the for the purpose of, again, helping the main characters. Yeah, basically. Alright. Got any points to add, Hannah? That is what women in refrigerators are. That is true. Yeah. So we just want to go over a couple examples from different media. Yeah. You want to go first, Trish? Um, well, yeah, okay, I'm gonna use a a video game. Well, this one's kind of weird. Um, it's from a Y2K game. Um, it's pretty controversial. Um, it, it does, uh, degrade women in an interesting way. But one of the main things is, uh, there, there's this fascination, uh, with uh, a woman who kind of, like, mysteriously dies in a, um, not a refrigerator, but an elevator, and, well, we don't know if she actually died there, but the thing is, like, it's revealed in the video game that this real-life person that did actually die, her main reason for dying was so that this uh, protagonist could find his meaning in life, and yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I don't quite see the problem with that. I think that's a fine example yeah, of it. No, it's yeah, no, It's definitely not relying on a sexist trope of how women are treated, so I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but I'm fully on board with this. I'm not quite sure what we're talking about. I'm sure there's no actual <laughs> No, 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 you would have no idea, yeah. By the way, um, I'm a gamer, and I really dislike this woman named Anita Sarkeesian, if you've ever heard of her, you know. You want to talk about that? He's being sarcastic. He likes No, no, I'm being genuine. I genuinely, uh, I'm, a, I'm a gamer and I just feel really strongly so about ethics. And I You've been gaming for how long now? Uh, for 29 years. Um, how old are you? I'm 24. <laughs> Excellent. In the womb <laughs> with the controller. No, before that. No, no, no. Like, before you was As almost like... a self. Yes. Yeah. Gaming as a self. It's pretty crazy. Yes. All of that is untrue. <laughs> She's lying. Like, oh, like most women, obviously. <laughs> no, but, it, yeah, it was an interesting, yeah, kind of, like, you, for part of the game, like, you, you thought she was going to get some character development and, like, have some meaning in her own thing, but then, yeah, everything turns out, oh, this is all just for the main character to grow and find out that he's a dick, and, yeah. That sounds great. So one that I wanted to talk about is uh, one of the guys who used to be one of my favorite directors, um, Christopher Nolan. And um, he has a long habit of uh, doing this as female characters, using them almost exclusively as motivation. But the, I mean, the main example of this was his first big movie, Memento, mm-hmm. where the entire character's motivation for um, throughout the story is to get revenge for his wife, right? Yeah. And um, we are never intru- we never get any of his wife's characters, why he cared about her. We just know he had a wife, he loved her, presumably, and she's dead and he's gotta go save her. That's all we know about the character. And the only th- and everything about her that's revealed is just to enhance his character. So I don't wanna give away too many spoilers, but at the beginning, like he's looking and he says, My wife was raped and killed, I have to go kill the guy who did that to her. I think this is simple, exactly. and that's the extent of her characterization. Her character solely exists to give motivation to him. Yeah. And it's not an entire, I think it's actually a very well-made movie, but 
it is a very tropey thing, and the treatment of women in that movie is also not good. Yeah, so they're either, like, a victim or they're, like, a manipulator, sort of, like... Yeah, the only other major female character is quite a manipulative. I mean, if you think about it, she's, like, in terms of the story, she has a sympathetic reason to be, but, like, she is incredibly manipulative and vindictive, which is how women are often treated in film. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, full disclaimer, like, I think Memento's a great movie, and it has mm-hmm. a lot of interesting, yeah, like, so film aspects, and it's it's really well done and crafted. Um, so, like, while we're, like, kind of, um, what is it, uh, critiquing it, like, you know, we still value these works and, like, other parts of it, but these are problems that need addressing. Yeah, and I think you can like and enjoy a piece of media and still have criticism with, like, I'm a massive fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and I think that has a lot of interesting, problematic things that it would take too long to get into. But I think that exists, and you can enjoy part of it and realize this wasn't this was an issue. This wasn't really well done there, and and if you examine art through that way of how it can be improved, it will improve. Like one yeah. thing, there has been a criticism of how women have been treated in movies. And we have seen some movies address it, like Black Panther did a great job of actually having women yeah, yeah, for sure. at the forefront, better than most Marvel movies. Um, pretty much all Marvel movies, in fact. And we have seen a general increase toward better representation of women, and I don't think that would have happened without women, but more women behind the scenes writing and directing, and also getting criticism for when it's handled poorly. Yeah, because you just need to have that voice there being like, ah, oh, maybe this isn't okay to do all the time, you know? And yeah, things up. and uh, being able to see like women in a stronger role also allows like even me as a woman to be able to be like, oh, that's okay. Like that's yeah, yeah. There's that side of things too. There's not just like the one storyline of the guy and yeah, yeah. I don't know. So like not just being a plot device, but actually being a character that you can empathize with and really relate to. Well, being a well-written character, which most women for quite yeah, often it, have it just doesn't happen all the time. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to point out when, you know, women are just being used as a, you know, a plot device and kind of be like, oh, that's not, not quite okay. So. Yeah, and I had, like, a weird thing when I, like, had the idea to write a story. Like, one of my thoughts for some reason was, like, oh, it has to be a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some definitely. reason, like, well, just that's because, because that's all I've, like, not all I've been exposed to, but that's the majority of story. So you kind of have it in your head, like, I have to follow that format, but that's not really true. And there's also a general sentiment to often, or there has been to, or in media that's for women, that's immediately lesser. Like, I mean, if you look at the reaction to Twilight, and like, um, I haven't seen it, and it's probably not a great movie, but like, just the visceral reaction of this is the worst thing ever created was a bit excessive, you know? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was a terrible movie. Like, I wasn't like a big fan of the books or anything, but like, you know, there was some artistic quality there, and but yeah. A lot of times, like, movies, like, focused towards women do seem to be a lesser, like, people think it's a lesser standard. And, and, like, the general trend, like, uh, for example, a lot of YA movies do have female protagonists. Hmm. Or a lot of the bigger ones, you know, your Divergent, your Hunger Games, they have, you know. Yeah. Two, maybe that's not a great example, but, and they're generally seen as lesser, whereas something like Ready Player One was generally seen as, oh, this great book, when if you've read it, oh boy, whoo. Not very good. Yeah, not, not on the top of the list right there. Not at the top of the list. Pretty much at the bottom of most lists. Yeah, nah. So, and then the general trend toward how that media is uh, 
taken and, uh, you know, seen is, is pretty emblematic. Yeah, but going back to what you said, Hannah, I think it is really easy, even as women, to, like, identify with male characters a little bit easier because that's, you know, what we've been exposed to. We're like, oh, this is what, uh, you know, a, a protagonist looks like. This is, you know, the standard protagonist is usually, like, a white, young male protagonist and mm-hmm. uh, not having a lot of other things to look at. Because, like, even um, some of, like, something by, like, S.E. Hinton... She, you know, she mostly focused on male characters, even though she's a female writer, but, uh, you know, just really empathizing and showing off male characters instead of any real female characters. And, yeah. yeah, and, like, another, like, and, and often there are cases where female writers will mostly write um, male characters, like, well, I mean, uh, J.K. Rowling's most famous character, Harry Potter, would that character, would that series have been as successful? If it was a guy at the time, would it, it have been published? Yeah, that, that's it, a really good question because, like, yeah, like it might have been yeah. as successful, but it might have never been published by approached by a publisher because it wasn't as relatable. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of a statement as to like what we see, kind of is like our what we allow ourselves to create for ourselves in a way. So, like, if we see all male protagonists, we're kind of like, oh, so this is. Yeah. what you create and I had another thing to say about that oh yeah po- like on a broader um, spectrum like listening to female podcasters was something I had to get used to because I'm not used to like most radio and like um, just like voices and media are like deeper and more masculine so it's a bit odder to hear a high-pitched voice not that there's anything wrong with that but like when I first listened to it I think I told you guys this, I cringe a little just because I'm not used to it, and it's a bit strange. So when you hear a more high-pitched voice, and, like, it's it's a bit odd, and it takes some getting used to. Not that, like, a deeper voice is better or anything, but I think if you have a more high-pitched, curly voice, you get a bit more criticism. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, you're used to hearing, like, a, a little bit deeper tone for a voice of authority. Like, you know, exactly. someone that really knows their stuff is, yeah, usually a male voice that's, like, smooth and calm. Yeah. And, yeah... So listening to a female voice that's authoritative is a little bit, like, uh, a little bit different, and, yeah. Yeah, and even, like, like, even females with lower voices, I think, can be, you can be a bit more accepting of them, whereas if, like, someone with a higher pitch voice is just kind of, like, you sound like a child. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's just some people's voices, so it's not really a reason to have, like, that disposition. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. But, uh, sorry, that was just a broader <laughs> spectrum, but, uh, woman in media. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, we should get back to, uh, yeah, examples. So. All right. Nala, do you got any, Hannah? Um, the ones that I'm, like, remembering the most are anime, because that's most of my examples. Go for it. And, um, like, this isn't the best example, because there's a lot of flaws in this anime. And when I say it, like, I was hooked to this anime. I was addicted Um, but, like, looking back on, like, Code Geass, um... Ooh, boy. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> like there were some parts of that anime that I really enjoyed, but I think it fell apart in the end. And like, it like it was obvious that a lot of stuff was just done for shock value. And like, whenever you had those moments where like, oh, I'm gonna live happily ever after with this girl, like it was just a sign that she was gonna die, so he could do more in his life. Like the protagonist, you know? Yeah, that's such a trope. Like people are like, oh, you're getting really attached, and you're like having you a good relationship. To settle down. And people like, oh, shit's about to go down. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's not even like it's following a story. It's just a warning sign that things will go wrong eventually. So it's 
it's predictable and it's kind of cheap. Yeah, like generally in action movies when you see someone say, I'm about to settle down with my wife, you know, and we've had such a good time. and then Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh no, she's dead! <laughs> yeah, something happens, yeah. And it just doesn't work out. Also, like Bond, definitely have mm, like, Bond. Yeah, Bond's portrayal of women almost across the board is pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it rarely portrays women well. Yeah, just the spy genre in, in general. I mean, just like, it used yeah. to be significantly worse, but oh boy, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing's going to be bad as, um, what's it called? Um, Octopussy? Whichever one, there, there, there's a James Bond movie where he waves to a lesbian woman into being straight. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, it's just, just I'm not a making bit, that yeah. up at all. Um... There was something else I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. Sorry, guys. Keep talking. Well, there's another example that I think is interesting. Uh, I go back to my boy, Chris Nolan, and uh, it's in The Dark Knight. A great movie. Really yeah, yeah fantastic. People, great movie, great performances. But, oh my god, what's her name? What's the girl, what's the woman's name there? Anne Hathaway? No. Oh, the Dark Knight, um, is she, yeah. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. Uh, Rachel. Uh, Rachel! So Rachel is, is a decently a developed character. You know, she has a little bit of development, right? But it, she, it is interesting. Uh, um, in that movie, she's given to... Uh, why am I forgetting all the names? Giving the guy who comes Two-Face his name. I'm forgetting. Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. Um, she's get, she and Harvey Dent are together like, Oh, we got such a great relationship. We're going to be together forever. And then, whoop, she dies. And that's what motivates... That that's what motivates Harvey Dent to be the main villain is that his girlfriend's killed. Yeah. That like like she how can we make this guy a villain? His girlfriend's killed. And you know that that was I think well done and well used for character purposes, but just another example of particularly Chris Van Allen and a lot of comic book movies of using women as these plot points more than actual developed characters. Not and one thing also to point out, it's not necessarily bad to use a character as a plot point for development. What's bad is when it becomes a trope that's so entrenched that it kind of restricts creati- creativity at the same time misportraying women all that. Yeah, because like when you get so used to treating women this way, like expanding a person's role just becomes like, why would we do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't say this is the case for The Dark Knight, but because Rachel did get some uh, development, but a lot of the times like female characters only have one side, so there's really nothing else to do with that character and kill them and let another character develop through that. Yeah. Um, so, um, so spoilers. Um, Charlotte, the anime, like, um, there, um, this, that, that's what happened in that show. The little sister, she really only has, like, being the perfect little sister as her character development. There's nothing complex about her, so the only thing to do is kill her and have the other character develop more through that to push him forward. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting to look at like the differences between men and women and when they're killed and what that represents to the hero. Yeah, because typically when another man is killed, it's oh you got a soldier on. He did what he had to do. You know he he died on the line of duty, but you got to get out it's there and you got to keep yeah. going. But a woman yeah. that's like oh no, oh no, this is gonna break me. Ah, oh, I thought I was going straight, but now I'm gonna go and kill every last one of them. You know, in in general, men and women when they kill is differently. Like quintessential like male character especially if you're talking superhero who's killed is uncle ben and what happens with that uncle ben instills in him his greatest lesson that he takes with him forward and that's his this cornerstone great with great power comes great responsibility that's his entire thing and he's remembered as this great guy and oh my gosh i love him 
But when a woman's killed, it's like, ah, like... Poor Gwen Stacy. Like, Gwen Stacy in those comics originally was like, oh, Spider-Man fucked up and killed Gwen, huh, whoops. And then he did, and then that's kind of forgotten because he gets another love interest and, sh- and the old one that was killed is more, more or less forgotten. Not that people don't get over things and go on to new people, but the way they portray is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and like you brought up an interesting point. So when Uncle Ben died, that instilled a new like um, character aspect in Peter. It didn't just propel him forward; it changed him. So like when a woman dies, it normally just propels them forward into revenge or, or whatever, without yeah. really instilling any like um, character positive changes. Change. Yeah. yeah, positive changes. Like, oh, this person died. Let me take what they wanted me to learn in life. You know. Or or also you have like. He died, so you have to finish the mission. You know, you don't want him to die for nothing. Whereas a woman, it's already assumed that she died for nothing. You know, because often she does, dies, and it's kind of irrelevant to the plot other than get our main character in a bad headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And um, back to what you were talking about earlier, there is a big difference between a good death and a bad death. And I think, like, one of uh, my favorite deaths, I'm pretty sure you guys too. Is um, Boromir in Lord yeah, of the Rings? Yeah, of course. Boromir's oh, he gets the most heroic <laughs> death where he was a bad guy. He's now getting redeemed through death. And women rarely get that kind of redemption. Yeah, we don't, die. Yeah, we don't see that. His death develops almost every character in that fellowship where the female, normally only really the partner, gets developed. Mm-hmm. So. Well, because, oh, because generally a woman's attachment is a romantic attachment to a guy. Yeah. Or and she doesn't have and she's not shown to have friends. She's not shown to have a life outside of character, outside of her relationship with that guy. Yeah, and like yes, very true. And it it can also be sisters and like different relationships as well. But romantic is the most common. Yeah, and and, and it's important to realize like these are shortcuts taken, and there's a reason that they're taken. But when they're taken the same way so often, you have to ask, well, why aren't these guys thinking of these women as? as characters as complete yeah, yeah. characters maybe it's because they don't have as much women behind the scenes not to say that every time a woman creates a work of fiction it's going to be inherently better but uh, generally if you put more women in the process there's going to be more people thinking about that it's going to be more likely to get a woman yeah yeah because like you're going to you know want to rep- represent yourself a little bit show some character development and you know well, yeah, and, and the more diverse groups of people we have creating media, the better the media is going to be. The yeah. more ideas, fresh ideas we're going to have. And I think even, like, as a writer, like, characters that you just relate oh, to on too. a personal yeah. level, like, you're going to, even, like, minor characters, you're going to have, like, a soft spot for and, like, you know, give them a little bit more backstory. So, yeah, definitely having more female writers out there and more female creators is going to bring, you know, some of those uh, female uh, protagonists to light. And, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Do we want to go with any more examples, or do we want to... Um, I don't really have any off the top of my head. Did you have anything you wanted to do? I think... I, I, let's see, I also had uh, Cowboy Bebop with uh, Julia. Oh, very much. Julia. Julia. It's a fantastic show. I love it. It's, it, it is really great, but Julia's um, main arc is pretty floppy, and yeah... Mostly to motivate the protagonist and the antagonist, and 
Well, and then that's another point that we've already brought up, but, like, great works of art can have these flaws and make them hard to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the interesting thing about that show is while having a very weak character, it also has a very strong female character, which yeah, is Faye. Yeah, Faye is really fantastic. She she does get that backstory. You you really do feel for her and empathize with her in a really interesting way that's... Yeah, I, w- I was really happy to see that. And Yeah. Because yeah, it's a great piece of media to have problems like uh, the movie Aliens is a favorite of mine. I love that movie. And also, it does a generally great job, better job than most with, with female characters. The one big problem with that is there's a woman in brown face. What? I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Ramirez? Or, I think it's Ramirez? Yeah, she's an Irish woman. She's not bad. And she had paint on to make her skin look darker. And she put on an accent to appear Latin, even though she is very active. I didn't know that. That's yep. really interesting. I had no idea. That feels too recent to be happening. Like, well, it's, it's, it's something not... that people forget. Like going to the kit, to the thing of whitewashing, how like brownwashing was a thing, like and that kind of thing. Like, um, and also people talk about whitewashing as if it doesn't happen anymore. And the example that I always like to go back to is every biblical movie ever made. Every biblical, yeah. almost not all. I'm sure there's some that don't, but like. Every mainstream uh, yeah. movie is Moses almost was really exclusively like yeah, that was it, just, is exclusively it white sense. actors playing people who were in the Middle East. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any. Sense. So so whenever anyone says like oh like whenever there's a character who in it from a, a fictional character from a comic book who is white who is now who is now not white in the adaptation because they're trying to create more diversity, just remember that. Yeah, yeah. That like, is... a big piece of, a um, big thing that a lot of people believe is historical, and that's almost always portrayed by white people when that was not the case. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a weird one, like, kind of. Yeah. So, so if anyone says it doesn't happen anymore, well. It, it certainly it does. does. Yeah. Another um, point, not really going off of this one, but that I wanted to jump back to is um, when women are only defined by the relationship they, they have, it can, um, do this thing where it kind of creates this idea of this idealistic woman like she she was just perfect and she completed him in every way but there's nothing else about her she there's nothing explaining why he loved her so much or like I I don't know why for me I need a reason for them to fall in love with each other it can't just be like she's so great and well, beautiful often, like, and like I don't know well, often there's a man, there's a woman. What else do you need? <laughs> they yeah. have to fall in love. What bothers me, though, is that it'll create, like, this perfect woman, and then you get shocked when, like, females have flaws. Like, it, it, it just creates this image of this, like, perfect woman that doesn't exist. And it's a little, like, you want something more relatable in a story. Yeah, and I think that can be another trope where they go, where um, writers can go so hard the other way, where they just make... So, I think this happened less and less, but just make some characters absolutely perfect because they don't think of them as characters as much. Like, oh, we got one who's going to be absolutely yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's just I don't an idea. That much, but, yeah. like, that's yeah. something that some people are going to do, and it's also flawed because just write well-good characters. I mean, it's not that easy, but, you know. Yeah, because, like, with a female, like, lead, like, she doesn't need to be perfect or, like, the super amazing representation of women. She can just be a character. Well-rounded character. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and try to avoid tropes because we've already seen those so many times. Yeah, and we yeah. I think the pendulum can swim too far in both directions. It's either the perfect woman, or she's evil and takes advantage of everyone, and there's no humane side of her. So just like getting like in between there, I think like there's a sweet spot, and it, 
does like most female characters don't get that sweet spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because if I have one role in the story and it's a very specific limited role, often, not always, often. Yeah. Um, well, another one, just interesting one to bring up, back, going back to comic books, is uh, The Killing Joke. Oh, It's kind of an iconic yeah. example of this, where, um, in, in the comic, if you're unfamiliar, spoilers for it, it's a great comic, um, but it certainly does not treat as female characters well. The The basic idea of it is the Joker is trying to make, um, Gordon, yeah, Commissioner yeah. Gordon, go crazy. And the way he does this is by kin- by shooting his daughter, who is Batgirl, and um, it's a little bit vague, but taking sexually promiscuous pictures of her and possibly raping her. And he does this in an effort to make him crazy. Yeah. And um, it's just, that's the only thing she gets in that comic, is she's this kind of, you know, she's a smaller character in the comics but at that time, but her biggest thing was getting horribly abused. Yeah, and, violated and... Yeah. Yeah. And violated, and that's a big example. Then Alan Moore regrets it and regrets the decision and regrets how they came to that decision. But the fact that it became canonized because that it wasn't originally planned to be like a canon. Um, that was too popular. Yeah, yeah, and like an interesting point to that is usually when a male character dies, especially in comics, he's brought back and he's a hundred percent when he comes back. But with her, she's crippled for life. Like well, there was now. There, there, there was an interesting thing that happened with that because for a while she was the Oracle. She was this disabled character who was a really big help to Batman. She was fairly well written. A lot yeah, of people yeah. like that. And then when she was brought back completely, some people said, well, like, there's like no disabled people in comics. So there was a little bit of controversy about that because. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's also an interesting thing, like having rep- well, representation. And also, when there's less representation, people are going to more likely latch onto what little they have, even if it's not great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. definitely true. Even if it's a trope, even if it's not great, if that's the one character that they can relate to, they're gonna latch onto it a lot more than other people. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And because they don't get anyone else related. Yeah. So when you get that yeah. one special character, you're just like, <gasps> don't do anything. We finally got one. So so yeah, media portrayals is it is complicated, but like. Just generally making efforts and thinking about the, how the, the, they are portrayed is going yeah, to gonna lead to better art. Yeah, people just being conscious of like some of the decisions that they're making and being like, you know, maybe I could do things a little bit differently, turn this trope on its head, and not on its head, but like do something different. And, you know, maybe the female character doesn't have to die. Maybe there's another way for the character to grow and stuff. And Oh. Another good example would be Christopher Nolan for a while, like, I talked about Memento and the Dark Knight, but also in Insomnia and um, Inception, he had a female character who was a main motivation, one who was this crazed woman who died, one who had just died tragically, and um, that was the main motivation for those characters, and that was how he wrote most female characters, until Interstellar, where we got Murph, who's actually a pretty well-rounded character and the best female character that he's done, presumably because... Hopefully, he's hired by the person and said, you know what, maybe I could write a woman as well as I write a man who wants. Yeah. You know. And, yeah, also, yeah, just finding other ways for characters to develop because there's also, like, you can also have someone just breaking up or someone leaving and doing different things. Like, there, there can be other uh, ways to create drama and change. And yeah, you don't have to just kill the woman every yeah. time. Yeah. Speaking of portrayal of women, an interesting movie for this that I'm not sure how uh, well it does or it doesn't is Midsummer. I'm not quite sure. There's a lot of takes on it. I generally liked it, 
but boy is it weird and interesting and uh, a trip, so I'd recommend it, but boy. So, uh, we're going to be watching the new Sonic movie, I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Tris, what have you been up to? Uh, not much. I do have some uh, China, Chinese trivia. Oh yes, yes. Right. She knows the Chinese. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've been studying Chinese uh, recently. This week I've been uh, studying sports a little bit. And uh, so one of the main cheers in Chinese is Jiao. And uh, that actually literally means fill up the gas, but um, uh, they'll, they'll say it, it for most sports events and any competition to be like, come on, give it your all. And so that's a really fun thing to say. And I love saying that one. So. Next one. Jiao. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to have a Chinese word of the week every week? No, we fun. could do that, yeah, yeah. It's like another podcast that has a German word of the week every oh, week. Oh, yeah. Shout out to those people who listen to that podcast, <laughs> most people. <laughs> I mean, German's fun, yeah, but... All right, but. well... You got anything else, guys? Mm-hmm. All right, well, this has been Pillow Shot. Thanks for listening. And this has been Hannah, Patricia, and James. Hello and farewell. Bye. Bye.